Welcome to Afterthoughts. This is our recommend or refute. <laughs> I'd have to time those in the future and see how long I carry it out. Uh, this, this is uh, one of our episodes where we talk about something we recently watched and let you know if it's good or not good or if we're on the fence and can't commit for some reason, John. Um, <laughs> I'm your host, uh, Ryan King. Uh, and with me, our regulars, we have uh, John Garcia. Hey, Ryan. I'm happy to be here. You know, I'm feeling really good. Maybe it's the scotch talking or... Uh, oh, it's definitely the scotch yeah, talking. Always. Uh, <laughs> we, we needed a few to get through our discussion of the astrologer. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> We're not even fake drunk right now. <laughs> I don't know that any human being can discuss the astrologer sober. That's, I don't think it's possible. It's like sneezing with your eyes open. It's just not possible. Yeah, you just can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and yeah. yes, and this voice you're hearing now is our Michael Dixon. Our Michael Dixon. Oh, our wow. Michael okay. Dixon. We now own you contractually through perpetuity. I don't remember signing anything <laughs> that stated that. Um, but I, you know, it's like the Apple terms and conditions. I just accept them. So yeah, you can know what many. you clicked when you joined yeah. Afterthoughts. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll start Dixon. What did you watch this week? Okay. So, um, this week I had the opportunity to see one of my favorite batshit crazy action films on the big screen at the historic Paramount Theater in downtown Austin on 35mm. And John's favorite movie club that he's constantly evangelizing, the Hyper Real Film Club, put on this screening and John refused to go with me. So I went by myself and I saw Face Off on 35mm in a massive theater, and it was super fun. I've been uh, chasing this guy ever since I joined the force. I'm about to unleash the biblical plague hell deserves. He has no conscience, and he uh, he shows no no remorse. You're not having any fun, are you, Sean? Try terrorism for hire. We'll blow some stuff up. It's a felony list a mile long. Murder, arson, kidnapping, terrorism, you name it. For years, I've, I've been watching him tracking him studying his every every move i know his every every mannerism (laughs) well i think you better pull the trigger because i don't give a fuck and now after all this time i finally figured out a way to trap him i will become him face off is just one of those batshit crazy movies that like it's just it's shocking that it exists it's like simultaneously an excellent movie and a terrible movie. And it's kind of crazy how both of those things can be so clearly true at the same time. Um, Nicholas Cage just doing his best work. Like he has talked about, I've, I've gushed about vampires kiss on this podcast before Nicholas Cage has talked about how, you know, he loves silent movies and in vampires kiss, he was doing a lot of experimenting with silent style acting in a sound movie and how he then took what he learned from that movie and put it into face off, which is just wild. Like it's a, it's a, you know, a huge budget action movie with Nick Cage and John Travolta at the height of their popularity, John Woo directing all of these absurd action stunt sequences. There's a plane chase, a car chase, a boat chase. There's just like all this crazy shit going on. And you've got Nick Cage doing over the top silent, film level insane acting um and it works perfectly for the movie like it is the right decision for the character of caster troy um if you're not familiar with face off the premise of the movie uh which makes perfect scientific sense is uh that john travolta plays a cop whose son is murdered in cold blood by nicholas cage in the cold open of the movie uh, I guess Cage is for some reason trying to shoot John Travolta and misses and hits his kid. And Travolta spends like six years going on this crusade to bring him to justice. And he finally uh, is able to find him and capture him. And they then find out that, oh shit, uh, Nicholas Cage's brother has planted a bomb somewhere in the city along with Nicholas Cage. Nick Cage is in a coma. His brother is in prison. And the only way they can get the information out of his brother to know where the bomb is, is for John Travolta to surgically switch faces with Nicolas Cage, go into the prison as Nicolas Cage, and get the information out of his brother so they can figure out where the bomb is and how to defuse it before L.A. goes up in flames. Um, Anyway, 
yeah, totally makes perfect sense. Kind of your standard action movie plot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, obviously. Um, this movie is so much fucking fun. Like seeing it in a big crowd with a ton of people was a lot of fun. Like this is just, it's the kind of big fun action movie that you want to see on the biggest screen you can with a bunch of people and just have a good time with it. Uh, Travolta is good in it. You know, he's John Travolta hamming it up, doing his Travolta thing. But like, this is Nicolas Cage's movie. He's just so fucking good in this. And like, there are lots of scenes with him doing crazy shit that, you know, you're, you're just laughing at how over the top he's going, but it also works really well. And there's just a lot of impressive acting in, in the movie. Um, but yeah, highly recommend this film. I think it's one of Cage's most fun movies and legitimately one of his best performances. Like he just, he's really able to go hundred percent and do everything that he wants to do in the role. Um, you know, he's, he starts out as the bad guy, then he's the good guy because he's cage in or Travolta inside Nicholas cage. And he's just <laughs> going through this existential crisis. Like every time he sees himself in the mirror, he freaks out and like tries to shoot himself. It's, just <laughs> like, it's so, it's so fucking good. Like his, this villain character of Castor Troy, he has two golden pistols that he carries around and, you know, cause he's a badass and like just Jesus Christ. The movie is absolutely insane. Um, I'm sure you have both seen oh, face yeah. off. Um, but what, what are your, what are your thoughts on the film? Oh, I fucking love John Woo. So obviously this is a movie that I would love as well. It's got the signature doves in it. Mm -hmm. too. Lots John of Woo doves inside loves. for no reason. Loves having doves all over the place. Um, I love the logic of you transition somebody's face to another person's face and they immediately have the same body as the person that previously had. They they like wipe over that with like, oh yeah, we'll just do some liposuction to remove those love handles, talking to Travolta <laughs> to become Cage. Yep. He's like, oh yeah, we'll just put like a microchip in your larynx and then, you know, you'll just be able to talk exactly like Nicolas Cage now. And it's just like, <laughs> it's amazing how quickly they move over the science. And then when, yep. they, when they fucking cut his face off and they like suck it up into this plastic container, it's yeah. just so funny looking. <laughs> <laughs> like Cage wakes up from his coma without a face and like looks over and sees Travolta's face like floating in this clear goo. And it's just, <laughs> oh my God, it's so good yeah the the i could eat a peach for hours scene is i could eat a peach for hours <laughs> just great just great uh so many amazing science. quotes uh there's like so many memes have come from this movie like cage as a priest swinging his head around with his hands on his knees <laughs> yes. and then walking up behind a like a high school choir girl and just grabbing all of her ass and and cut, looking like he's coming in his pants while doing it just <laughs> insane so, so many wonderful uh gifts and memes have, have come out of this movie yeah i remember like this and con air came out same year and yeah, and I kind of re remember thinking, like, this is where people just kind of knew something was not good, per se. Like, just the <laughs> premise is just like, nah, and you watch it and you're like, this is all dumb, but, like, we're enjoying it. Yep. And, like, accepting it is just, like, this stupid thing. And There were action movies before, I, you know, there's a lot of sort of schlockiest action movies in the 80s. But I kind of feel like at the, the mid 90s, this is, you know, mid, mid to late 90s, um, where there kind of was this wake up of just like, yeah, we know this is all bullshit, right? <laughs> like, yeah. we're not even going to try to necessarily mm. play along by the rules anymore. And like, we don't, you know, that, that yeah, it's, it you know, I talked before about the like artistic vision. I'm like, yeah, you're having fun. So you just kind of like let everything go. Like, I, that's the same feeling I have about Con Air and and the rock where we're talking about cage put the bunny like, back in the box <laughs> yeah we're just like let's go whatever like we know this is dumb and it, it kind of i think that leads into the action movies that are the action movies that are just completely stupid over the top and are okay with it and this is kind of just where i remember that going and it's something that's like that and and con air still get mentioned all the time and oh, i feel yeah. like always Always in the like, oh my god, face off. And it's never like, oh yeah, the great action movie, you know, Con Air. It's always just like fucking Con Air, am I right? <laughs> but it's such a good action movie. Like the the action set it pieces is. are incredible. And they're all done on screen. There's no fucking CGI. It's all practical yep. effects. It looks great. Absolutely. Yeah. No, both of, yeah, but both those, like they are good at being movie. It's the plot. 
I guess. Oh, the plot is completely right. Asinine. It's the plot yeah. that's so ridiculous, but the like, but they're very serviceable, fun movies. Like, mm-hmm. I love that a plot point of Face Off is that John Travolta touches his wife's face in the grossest way. Everyone's face. He yeah, runs his just... hand down the front of their face. His wife, his kids, literally every person imaginable. And of course, Nick Cage does it too when he's John Travolta. Uh-huh. And it's just yeah, it happens like fucking fifteen times in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And and everybody always looks so disgusted when it happens too. It's <laughs> yeah. like when somebody tells me happy Monday. That's I like I made a gif of that at one uh, point. <laughs> just they hit you with that face swipe. Uh just I believe you get your ass kicked for saying something <laughs> like that. <laughs> um but yeah, I love John Woo. I love his action, his set pieces. He just knows how to shoot really cool shit. Like he does. I don't know. From the things I've seen, like hard boiled, any of the stuff with Chow Yun Fat, I'm like, hell yeah. John mm-hmm. Woo, Chow Yun Fat, great match. John Woo, John Travolta, Nick Cage, amazing. Uh, I love the end sequence when Nick Cage, I used to have a roommate who fucking loved Face Off so Mm. much that he would, when he was playing video games, he would yell the classic Cage, die, and do like that shit into the, he would do the full thing too. And I was like, holy shit, this guy's fucking all about it. Uh, I love the scene when Cage as Travolta goes into the prison and he's they, the prison. Everybody wears these magnet boots for some reason. And like <laughs> yes. that doesn't make any fucking sense. I guess it like helps security if the prisoners are not very mobile and the guards can just lock their feet down whenever they want. But he's he go cage goes up to his brother and he's, you know, introducing himself and, and, you know, or is like, you know, Hey man, how's it going? And the guy, his brother immediately looks at him with this incredible suspicion. Like, wait a minute. Are you my brother? Or are you just like wearing my brother's face? Like what's going on here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's so stupid. And the dialogue in that scene is hilarious too. Because Cage turns to his brother and goes, we're going to bro- blow up LA, bro. <laughs> like just in the prison around other people. Just, we're going to blow up LA, bro. Uh, which is incredible movie. Um, uh-huh. It combines my love of practical effects and Nicolas Cage going completely insane. And uh, it's great. How was the uh, 35 millimeter print? Was it, it was good. Condition? There were, you know, definitely some imperfections in the print. It's a, you know, 1997 movie. It clearly wasn't a new print, but it still looked really good. Like I've seen older movies on 35 millimeter that you're like, ah, I kind of just wish I had seen this in digital because there's so many like marks on it. Yeah. But this one, there were some scenes where it got a little bit distracting, but for the most part, it looked really good. Nice. Well, now you get to, had you seen it in 35 before or? No, no, I'd only okay. seen it. Uh, I think I'd only seen it at home before. So, so that was fun to see it on 35 and actually Kino Lober is putting it out on 4k later this oh, year. Oh shit. So Very definitely nice. going to be picking that up. Rad. Very cool. Nice. Has John Woo made anything like quote good? Face off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, like, I, yeah. And I feel like it's like what face off and broken arrow and. Was the I haven't seen Would you say any of his uh, like uh, Hong Kong films, so I, I don't, I can't speak to that. Does it count if he made Mission Impossible Two, or was that terrible? I don't think that that's was a good not movie. a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, well, never mind. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, it, what, what's amazing is like he is a a really good action director and has really great action scenes, and I think brings something you know like this sort of dumb premise up to like a watchable level. Mm. Um. But yeah, I don't More know, than that, really like it's really attached. fun movie. Yeah, yeah, he's never really been attached to something like good. I, I know he's had some movies that have taken. Stabs, I've heard good like, things about Hard Boiled. I've never seen it. Um, oh man, he uh, in in Hard Boiled, there's a sequence where he puts a baby's life at stake, like <laughs> literally in the production. Oh wow! And uh, he doesn't tell anybody that anything's going to happen, and then it does, and he's like, "I I need save the baby, so it's fine." Dear like, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hardboiled has some fucking shit in it that you, you just have to see to believe. It's amazing. He also made a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie called Hard Target. Hard Target, I, yeah. I have not yeah. seen, um, but I love Jean-Claude Van Damme, and I need to watch that movie. He's got a big mullet in that one. I of mean, course he does. He's he Jean-Claude Van Damme. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted you to know he's staying on brand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like right around the same time as Time Cop, I think. So, yeah, he's still sporting that mullet. Prime, yeah, Prime. <laughs> Damn Van Dam at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Cool. All right. Uh, John, what did you 
watch this week? What do you, I know you watched a bunch of things, but what do you what do you want to talk about? Well, I had my birthday events and I watched two schlock movies. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. I'm happy to be one year closer to death. John uh, is 79 <laughs> this week. That's right. <laughs> Very old man now. Um, but and so as an old man, obviously, I have to watch better movies. Um, it's for my health, really. Uh, all of the yeah. schlock has taken too a much schlock will kill you. Yeah. That's what my doctor said. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I should have listened, but, uh, yeah, we, we watched two movies on my birthday. Both were schlock and I really don't want to talk about schlock right now. Shocker for everybody out there. Schlocker. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's my nickname on the streets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I ended up watching, I had a, a hankering after our jaws discussion to watch another Spielberg. And, uh, I talked about my favorite one being, uh, Jurassic park. I figured I have a 3d copy of Jurassic park. I've got the 3d glasses. I want to see if I'm actually telling the truth when I say the 3d version is really good. The most phenomenal discovery of our time How'd you do this? becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Universal pictures presents. You feel that? Hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park. So Sasha and I sat down and watched it um, after my my birthday festivities were over. And it was fantastic. Um, I think that the 3D version of Jurassic Park, while not, I wouldn't say it's like a superior version to the, the standard format. I'd say that it has some really interesting aspects to it. And it, it's another one of those movies that really talks to what the medium of 3D, like the what, what became a gimmick, could have been something more. And I know that uh, in the past, we've talked about Hugo, Dixon and I, especially. Mm-hmm. It, I think, Ryan, did you watch Hugo? I can't remember if we watched it with us. Or we not. watched Hugo. I haven't seen it in 3D, but I, okay. I saw some bits in 3D, but I watched That's right. the full movie, just regular. Um, just regular type. Yeah, yeah. And like... Hugo is really cool. It pushes that kind of envelope of what 3D can be by adding depth to the frame. Scorsese knew what he was doing. Jurassic Park is interesting because Hugo was shot with the intention of making it 3D, but Jurassic Park was post-processed into 3D. And when you see other movies where it's like they post-processed what live action Beauty and the Beast and like all this other shit that like the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. Yeah. And it's just like (laughs) kind of garbage. Like there are moments where I remember in one of those 3d pirates of the caribbean trailers like jack sparrow hides behind a door and a sword comes out and it's one uh, of those like let's just exploit the gimmick of oh it's coming right at you um jurassic park 3d doesn't try to do that at all it uses 3d to create that depth and frame that i love about that aspect of the technology um there are sequences where like the t-rex sequence for instance it really gives you this feeling of the depth between the kids being attacked by the T-Rex in the car during that really tense moment. It just adds an extra layer to everything. Um, and the only reason I say that it's not like the superior version is because post-process 3d has limitations to it. And I noticed them when I was watching it, namely at times the frame rate would dip in the movie, which was interesting. Um, I've oh. never kind of seen that happen, but when there were fast pan shots or something was really like quick, below 24, uh huh, it would, it would mm. dip below 24 and it would kind of bring me out of it, but it was never during the critical moments. It was always like they're panning over to show us some establishing shot and, Oh, there's a frame dip in the middle of it. Um, because like the 3d wouldn't look as good. Otherwise I I'm not entirely sure if it's that, or if it's just the amount of frames they had to work with and how they could mm. interpolate it over the course of the time did something different. Um, so that was one thing I noticed. And then the other thing was it, it's just really dark, like 3d post-process movies are darker than yeah. they normally probably would be. Uh, and so darker scenes in the movie were harder to see, like, especially when you hit things at night, like the T-Rex scene is still fucking great. But when you get into like the trees with Alan and the kids, then it's just kind of like, I'm not entirely sure what's going on for some of these sequences. Um, so with that, like, I don't know, it's one of those things where I would recommend it. Uh, I would recommend the 3d experience of Jurassic park. I think that it's a fantastic time if you're able to do it, but if you're not, you know, you're not really missing a whole lot. There's just these cool nuances to it that feel like a lot more care was put into the post-processing than other movies can claim. So, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I haven't seen the original Jurassic park since I was a kid and I was probably like a teenager. 
And I remember liking it. And I remember, uh, you know, I always like Laura Dern and stuff. Um, I distinctly remember when watching Jurassic World when it came out that Jurassic <laughs> Park's effects looked way better than Jurassic World's special yes. effects. Um, I So about 10 years ago, there was this onslaught of like not shot in 3D, but post-processed in 3D movies where like every big blockbuster was shown in 3D for 80% of the screenings so they could charge $4 more per ticket. And you had right. to like actually try to find a 2D version to yeah. go see a movie. Um and that was like the point where I was just like, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. And like I missed out on like Mad Max Fury Road in 3D because I was just assuming that all 3D movies suck. And like I didn't see Hugo in 3D in theaters. And because that was around this time where there was all this awful 3D of movies that were shot in 2D and then done post-production into 3D. And it would just look like multiple layers of 2D. And I thought yeah. it looked really stupid, right? And it's like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean 3 or whatever. And it's just like, it looks like, four layers of 2d stacked on top of each other. And I'm like, this looks like a pop-up book. It looks stupid. Um, how does that play out in Jurassic park? I imagine Spielberg put some more care into doing it. than these studios who are just trying to shit out these movies and make an extra four or five bucks a ticket to get people to go see it in 3d. Um, how do you feel like it looked? How did it blend together? You mentioned that, that you liked the look of it, but like compared to other movies that are shot in 2d and then, after the fact rendered into 3d how does this compare versus those types of movies and versus movies that are sh actually shot in 3d i think that it's on par with movies shot in 3d um that's a bold I think claim that it's very competently post-processed as opposed to the others where they kind of phone it in and yeah I, I understand that image layering i definitely know there's like this parallax effect where you're like all right you know i remember seeing beauty and the beast in theaters in 3d um which was a terrible time Oh, that's and a bad having idea. like that's a dark movie already. Yeah, and and like Lumiere is like realistically rendered candelabra that's like dark silver and just looks like absolute <laughs> ass. And in the background, <laughs> there's like all of the other fucking inanimate objects talking, and uh, of course they're animated. But it's just like every one of them felt layered in a way that they were like, all right, now we'll put this layer here and we'll put this layer here and we'll get that. And you can feel the stacks, like you were saying, Dixon. Of mm -hmm. here's all that. This movie has so many depth focused sequences. They could not get away with that shit if they really tried to do it. Um, if they were going to go all in and have director approval, I feel like they couldn't get away with it. And they did a great job because there are sequences like, for instance, um, seeing uh, the actors in screen with like the dinosaurs, everything kind of feels natural and you can feel the depth between like the distance between actors and dinosaurs there. Um, there are sequences like at the very end, there's a whole sequence where, uh, the family that's trying to escape is stuck in the vents and there's a raptor jumping at them. And, uh, the girl Lex falls through and is holding on. And it's one of those sequences where you can see the floor and you can see the actual vents and there is full depth to it. It doesn't feel like two images that are layered on top hey, of Logan, each other. Like the, the raptor dogs? looks like it's about 12 feet down. And it's got that same kind of vibe where it can just bring you into those moments a little bit harder than the, the flat frames could. Um, that's offset obviously by like the frame rate drop and anytime sure. that there's water, uh, for whatever reason, water is the weakness of post-processing. It's so hard to capture uh. depth over water and these other shots that they get. But, um, yeah, like I would say it was adequately done beyond adequately done. It was superbly done and, and it stacks up next to natively 3d shot films um, and how it's executed. Just there were no parts that really stuck out to me as like, they really didn't try here. Uh, it, it felt like it was naturally shot in 3d, which is crazy to say, but that was just kind of how I took it away. Yeah. That is really interesting. To and put I think that, that much they, care. They what, did what a Jaws version are, too. Cause that didn't get released in 3d. Yeah, right, it didn't. that's just for that. I mean, they went back and did Jaws at one point. They did Jaws in 3D, mm -hmm. and there's mm -hmm. no version of I bet you of they re-released them can... in theaters when they remastered them in 3D. Definitely. Or was this just for 3D yeah. TVs, They did, like, because they did it up. for the anniversary of Jaws, and they did it for the anniversary of Jurassic Park. Mm. They had 3D versions released, but Jaws never got a Blu-ray release 3D, to my knowledge. Oh, interesting. Um, that's weird. But I, I heard good things about that as well. And well, I isn't Jaws like, 3D the, the name of the third yeah. movie? That is, so that's got to be confusing. Yeah, I'm sure that is. But they were uh, like, Jaws 3D, colon, the good one, or whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever the fuck it is. Colon, the first one. Yeah. The, re yeah. the good one, yeah, the real one. <laughs> uh, I wonder if that 
was helped by the fact that it was shot on film because like you know digitally shot movies can look very flat and yeah. you know this onslaught of 3d movies that was happening in theaters 10 years ago was when everything was moving over to digital and you still had like you know auteurs and, and directors who had enough influence with the studio shooting their movies on film but so many of them were being shot digitally at the time and, and still are today but i i wonder if it helped that it was shot on film there is more depth in the frame already that they can work with and and maybe make that look a little bit more realistic in post-production than they can with a digitally shot movie where there's not a lot of depth there to work with i would say you know it, it it's very plausible that that could happen in terms of like the focal point too um some of the ways that the shots are are made like there's a whole sequence with Laura Dern and whoever the Australian hunter is that they're going out. It's like right before he's attacked by the Raptors where they're talking Samuel L. Jackson and he's uh, a <laughs> yeah, Samuel L. Jackson, <laughs> the Australian hunter. Um, they're like talking in the forest and it's this one, it's not a one, two shot. It's like he's in the foreground and she's in the background and the focal will pull between the two of them. Mostly it just stays on him. And the 3D really naturally draws your eye to mm. a more prominent figure. Even with a focal adjustment, you can you just feel a little extra emphasis on their presence in the mm. frame. So those moments were added to, and I feel like maybe the film factored into it. I don't know. Uh, I, I want to see more movies that have that kind of touch, but I, I, I'm sure they're so rare to get something that was shot on film and then post-processed and director approved, no less. Like, yeah, that's got to be yeah. hard to get. But uh, yeah, yeah. You you mentioning the focal point chain, like in my mind, the first thing that I thought of was the kitchen scene where the kids are like climbing in the cabinet, and you see the raptor in the distance, and the focal kind of changes. I'm like in 3D, I feel like that's a pretty cool scene because you feel yeah. the same sense of depth and distance. You you feel even more like you're there, like you're right yeah. in that moment, looking down that that corridor, and it's it's crazy uh, how how your brain is tricked. Uh, into it um i wonder how the vertigo shot in jaws looks in 3d have you seen uh jaws in 3d i've not seen jaws in 3d i know that they have the vertigo shot in Coraline, which i just got on 3d yeah. as well and i haven't oh, had okay. the chance to watch yet but i'm sure it looks pretty awesome i, mm -hmm. I bet that depth really fucks with your brain yeah Cor Coraline is completely vomit inducing that, yeah. <laughs> yeah too visceral <laughs> Coraline is one of the examples i point to of something that that as far as i know does something in 3d that only works in 3d mm -hmm. oh, uh, and the way when they the she goes between the worlds there's a little door she crawls through and when she goes to that door in the 2d version it kind of just uses the traditional vertigo which is it, i mean it's it's an actual camera in camera effect vertigo because it's stop motion right? actually so it's all motion. it's all in camera yeah right? yep yeah so so they do that but in the 3d version they purposely like rotated in a way that's like unnatural and so it adds this really eerie effect oh, wow. because your mind because in 3d you can see it and be like this is wrong yeah like that shouldn't be real that's wrong and kind of helps you like transition into this world that's like off um the yeah. hugo i i wait wait i could see parts in there where i'm like okay i can see where the 3d adds potentially a lot to this that wasn't there i just didn't get the chance to see that yeah um, I do want to say one other thing is at the end of this movie, I thought of an alternative because I, I don't like Jurassic Park Lost World. I don't like any of the sequels to Jurassic Park. I'll just be outright with it. I'm not a fan. They're all pretty the sequels, awful. They're all yeah. pretty bad. I didn't see the most recent one, but yeah. yeah you yeah. suddenly get a really great appreciation for Lost World after watching more Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is absolutely true. At least true. it's got a lot of gold bloom in it, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. Um, <laughs> um but at the end of this one, maybe it's just because my brain's so fried on how, not schlock, but like fried on how cynical reboots would be done, like soft reboots. But I was like, mm. I saw the moment this movie ended, how it could transition into an actual soft reboot. Let's like fuck all of the other uh, sequels that have ever happened. Let's pretend they don't exist. We're we, doing, a ho we're Halloweening this shit. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we end on that, you know, that sequence where the T-Rex comes in into the museum and it bites the raptors. I know you haven't seen it in a long time. But I don't remember that. But there's a sequence yeah. where the T-Rex comes in and he bites the raptors and he fights them off. And then the banner of the fucking museum falls. It says, when dinosaurs ruled the earth and the T-Rex like roars really fucking loud. It's a great like pinnacle sequence of the movie. Um, I immediately in that moment pictured, okay, now we pull back and reveal that it's on a television. Uh, John Hammond, 
has uh, failed his theme park, but somebody else is willing to take up the torch because capitalism prevails. Uh, capitalism, it always does. Capitalism, capitalism finds, uh, a, finds way. a way. Yeah, you fucking <laughs> beat me to it, you son of a bitch. Um, and it's a TV playing the movie with fake actors a la uh, un- Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Okay. And everybody, and, and we cut to the young boy who was in the, cr- the group of the original Jurassic Park troupe. He was with Alan or whatever. Now he's all grown up. Now he's fucking bitter. He fucking, he saw everything that happened and nobody listened and they opened Jurassic World. Who fucking knows? Uh, and at this point, where does Nicolas Cage come into this? N- Nicolas Cage comes in uh, because Nicolas Cage is uh, his agent. He's trying to book him, right? He's oh, trying okay. to get this kind of uh, uh, publicity. He's trying to tell the story that nobody's bold enough to tell. He's I doing the there. Matthew McConaughey role. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's like, hey, Tugger Nets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the original kid from Jurassic Park. I can't remember what his name is. What Jake? Some shit like that. He he's just like trying to sell in cash in on his fame and be like, look, I was there on the Island when everything went wrong and Samuel L. Jackson got eaten by Raptors and whatever. Uh, <laughs> and he can't fucking make shit from his name, but everybody out there is capitalizing on Jurassic world, making toys and all that shit. Uh, and we make him the protagonist an antihero. And we make him be like, look, I've been trying to tell y'all forever because I've been trying to cash in on it. Now you want to bring me in, you know, they come and find him and they're like, why don't you come consult in our park? You know, you, saw what happened with your grandfather's park. Why not do these things? Uh, Give it this a thumbs all, up. Yeah, this all unfolded in like five seconds in my brain. And I was like, there <laughs> it is. There's the movie they should have done. That's just completely drenched in cynicism and completely bitter. About we gotta get those animatronic T-Rexes though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we need full practical mm. and all of this stuff. But that's what no more rapture training. Yes. None of that shit. No more chameleon T-Rexes that can turn invisible or, at will or raptor training where the trainer eventually who's Chris Pratt, by the way, gets eaten. God damn it. He gets, he gets fucking eaten and ripped in half. Oh, okay. So we get a good catharsis for the audience. I don't think Chris Pratt would take that role. I feel like even if you paid Chris Pratt a hundred million dollars, you'd be like, you're going to be the guy who gets eaten in the first scene. He wouldn't do it. Yeah, we, we'd have we'd have a stand goes too big. Yeah. Called uh, Christopher Bratt or something. <laughs> <laughs> the was, character name is Chris Bratt. That's the character uh, name. <laughs> uh, that'd be great. Uh, but yeah, I just started thinking about it. I was like, holy shit, this would be way better. I would watch the shit out of whatever this is. I don't care if it would be bad or not. Um, just I wish I wish that it would have been that way, but it's not. Uh, yeah. Now we have what? Five movies after this. Uh, is Jurassic Park the franchise to like lampoon franchise rebooting? If anything, Jurassic Park should be the one that makes fun of gearing things to kids that should not be geared to kids. Yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> That's yeah. what I want to see. The RoboCop uh, problem. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I feel like uh, like Spielberg's franchises like that. There are uh, you know the the rule of like you should never hire other directors to do sequels mm-hmm. to these movies that everybody liked, yep. you know, and like, uh, you know, Jaws and Jurassic Park and these movies that he's made that were huge hits. And then they just bring in hacks to do the sequels and they always suck. And it's just never worth doing that. But you know, the cynical studios can make a lot of money off make of money. it. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, they keep making money. Mm-hmm. That's I'm, I'm telling you out there universal, you know, I know you're listening. Uh, when you fucking want new ideas, why don't you reboot your franchise by having Jurassic World be some fever dream uh, made for TV movies <laughs> and uh, just go ahead, reboot it the way I said, you know, hire the old actors, get them in here. Let's get David Lynch to do the next one. Oh, hell so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an idea right there. What are the dinosaurs supposed to represent? Uh, all kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. If you're going to do a franchise reboot, maybe don't hire the most boring people in the world. Let's not hire Chris Pratt or Ron Howard's daughter or whoever the fuck. Colin Trevorrow. Is that even a person? Yep. Is that even a real guy? <laughs> I'll tell you, Colin, that Colin Trevorrow. <laughs> Has anyone ever seen that guy? I don't think he's real. <laughs> he's good. He's a good director. Just may- maybe if you're going to actually do this, hire some talented people and try to put some some energy into Ask it. Ask Sam Neill what he wants for once. Don't just bring <laughs> yeah. Sam Neill back. No. What if Laura Dern like directs work. the next one? Oh, I would love. Yeah. Whatever Laura Dern's going to, she'd bring in David uh-huh. Lynch. You know, she'd consult. Yeah. <laughs> Laura Dern directs and David Lynch stars. I oh, would see God. the shit out of that movie. There are dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> They're over there. <laughs> uh. <laughs> David Lynch as his Twin Peaks character yes. with the hearing loss and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
You're getting a three-quarter view of dinosaurs. <laughs> Get a good look. We're going to do it again. It's a very good impression for someone who has not seen Twin Peaks. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I <laughs> uh, just love David Lynch as a person. He's great. He is. You need to watch yeah. more David Lynch movies, John. Honestly. I'm going to have to pick one for the podcast, aren't I? That's the only way you're going to watch a David Lynch you're gonna movie. You're going to have to break the dam. I mean, I'm in a vulnerable state right now. I've seen too much schlock. Yeah, I already said also watch good movies. I'm watching good movies. We got to open it up. <laughs> cool. Well, All Ryan, right. what do you got? All right. What do, what do I... So I had a, uh, a a couple of plane trips to watch, potentially watch something decent, and I didn't. Um, but I didn't watch any of the good <laughs> movies we've talked about historically. Want to give him the choice. Um, Whenever Ryan is faced with the opportunity to watch a good movie, he spits in the face of cinema. Yes, yeah, I decide it's time for for something. Let me watch Aquaman for the fifth time. Yes, and Martin Scorsese yeah. sheds a single tear. <laughs> um, yes, so I actually had my birthday recently too. As the is the oldest man on this podcast, uh, which I spent I, flying uh, back to the states. How and old are I you too, now, Ryan? I am exactly 40. 79. Wow. One year older than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I watched M3GAN or Megan. Katie, you lost your parents. Welcome home. You're my niece. I'm going to do everything I can to make this place feel like home. I have this project at work. Do you want to see? Yes. Ever since I was little, I dreamed of this perfect toy that would protect a kid from ever feeling lonely or sad. This is Megan. Hi, Megan. I'm Katie. It's nice to meet you, Katie. Do you want to hang out? Megan, she pushed Brandon onto the road. I won't let anything harm you. <laughs> Don't worry, Katie. I won't let anything harm you. Ever again. I, I always hate it when they put numbers in the title of something. Just write the word as it's spelled in the English language. I'm so Is glad that too they, much to yes. ask? Didn't put a four in the Matrix. Resurrection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Mephortrix uh, Resurrection. <laughs> So yes, uh, uh, M3GAN should be a movie that if if anyone knows the behind the production of this and has listened to this podcast, should think that I absolutely hated this thing because it is written by the person that wrote Malignant. Oh yeah. <laughs> is it James it, Wan or is it someone else? James Wan and it his is wife? Produced, James Wan did some, supposedly some writing on it, but I think it was just okay. mainly he, he's produced it. And James Wan produced uh, Conjuring and Annabelle and... All yeah, that crap, which I also hate. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a new one of those? Yeah, probably. The, something uh, red yeah, door. Um, yeah, there's tons coming up. There's, yeah. there's, the, the, yes. In fact, the people the only, that the worked only thing on that keeps Patrick Wilson alive. <laughs> yeah, the people yeah. that worked on M3 again are working on The Nun Two, which is some spinoff to a spinoff of all that shit. I don't Black even Narcissus know. And I don't sequel. even care. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, there's and, another and James, M3GAN movie already in the works. Yes, a 2.0. Yeah. yeah. And, and James Wan also worked on Aquaman, which we know puts me to sleep. Yep. Uh, yeah. So everything everything about this movie should be a disaster. Um, but I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a good movie. Whoa. Very but it, like I actually did enjoy it. And I, I think what's weird is everywhere I complained and felt like Malignant failed, uh, this movie got it enough that is making me think that malignant since it's the same writer was legitimately trying to be bad this was an argument i believe we've had john yes of like was yeah. did malignant know it was horrible or was it accidentally horrible <laughs> i'm thinking it knew it was but didn't know exactly how to pull that off quite right um so and, and the other interesting thing is as a horror movie this is a pg-13 uh, I guess they were going for an R. They started in the marketing, saw mm. the teenagers were into it, and so they geared it down to be PG-13, um, which didn't Horse really shit. bother me either. I think a lot of times <laughs> movies now, horror movies that go for R, just do stupid shit they don't need to do. 
Yeah. Just because they're like, hey, yeah. we have an R rating. Let's get as fucking Let's horrible as we can get. Let's put a backwards head person and make them fight a bunch of police officers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Penitentiary. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it always annoys me when studios try to, like, make the movie for the rating they want. You know, it's like, yep. just make the movie that you think is going to be the best movie and whatever rating it gets is what it gets. But it's like, every movie has to be PG-13 now because... That's going to put that's the most the butts in seats Data because analytics. you've got to get the 14 year olds in there because they have nothing else to do and they're all yeah. horny and scared and they want to see horny, scary things. And you've got to tone it down enough to, to keep it PG 13. But like, and yeah, like the inverse of that, you're saying like, sometimes if they get an R, they're just like, oh, I guess we might as well just fucking go for it. Right. And just have right. all of these excessive scenes that don't really make any sense for the story just because we already got an R let's get our money's worth. My, my understanding is that they were like doing the production of this gear. They were planning it to just be like, it'll be an R, like we can just kind of whatever. And then kind of partway through, we're like, hey, you know what? Like we're only like need to cut two scenes to get down to a PG-13. And essentially, and they released an unrated version. Another thing I think we've complained about oh. this podcast. Which version ended did up you later watch? Releading, I watched the like legit theatrical uh-huh. version, but I looked up. It's only like a few scenes and they're honestly things where I'm like, well, that didn't add anything. It's like, the mm. uh you know someone gets killed and in the scene in the unrated version like their skin gets completely peeled off it's like okay. doesn't add anything to it does it look cool is it practical or is it cg uh it's practical actually a decent amount of this movie is is practical with like cg kind of on top of it mm. um which works so yeah like yeah but it was also like that's not exactly what this movie was is it it's campy in a way but not that kind of horror campy because mm-hmm. it's leaning more towards the sci-fi aspect. And so I actually kind of appreciate that it like ends up not being as many killings and as gruesome because it's much more just about the like the technology and was technology doing to us. And they kind of played around a little bit more in that space. So I think yeah. where 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 it succeeded, where it got me was it knew what it was and it kind of rode in the camp. Like it never really was like, hey, this needs to be scary. It never really felt like it needed jump scares. Like it kind of just went for like a little and, and, you know, this is a it's a lot like child's play. The basic plot is that this our main character works at a um, <laughs> it, it starts off with a fake ad, by the way, that's amazing. <laughs> but she works for a company that builds toys and essentially they build these like ultra high tech Furbies that the open of the movie is an ad for their like current version of their like super toy Furby that. Tropic Thunder <laughs> legit, the ad is like Tropic Thunder, uh, small kind of like a Tropic Thunder because the ad is is absolutely like okay. singing a song open. in the style. Yeah, no, it's like in this in the style of like a '90s advertisement ah. where the kid's dog dies and they're just singing. They're like, "Did your pet die? We'll get one of our pets. It never dies." And they're like, oh, "This God. is so much better. It won't die like my dog did." Like the kids <laughs> all excited. What do I know? I'm just a bear. <laughs> yes, and I was like, <laughs> that right there. I'm like the movie gets it because you're like that never would be a real ad yeah but the movie like knows and is playing with that space it's of like, like verhoven yeah let me take it to an extreme that's would you stupid like to know more? and we can have fun now right <laughs> like we're taking it one past you know where it should be and so kind of everything within that realm of like the toy and the company that's building the toy and all that shit it's a little bit like small soldiers or child's play where it's kind of like they know they're not supposed to be doing this it's yeah. bullshit and they're pushing it to its extreme anyway. Um, and it, you know, it uses the ideas, this, you know, it plays in the sci-fi territory. I don't feel like it fully gets there, but the ideas of like, what is technology doing? Are we using it to raise our kids or so not parents? Um, you know, is it a distraction from everything? How do we deal with our grief if we're just like using these things in these moments to get past, um, like, but not actually feel emotions or anything? So I was like, okay, it's trying to say something. Honestly, it just says like, it's bad, okay? It doesn't really <laughs> go anywhere with Girls them because bad. at the end of the day, it's a horror okay. movie. It's not, yeah, it's not actually a sci-fi movie. Um, the the way they did the robot character is is good. It's It gets you just like enough Uncanny Valley. It sometimes plays with the like GLaDOS voice kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Wait, what's that? Just enough. It's from a video. So game. yeah, in the the portal games, you're kind of uh, there's this AI that's running the the simulations or whatever that you're going through, and has that kind of like broken AI voice. 
sounds like a Siri, but just slightly off. Yeah, okay. just like so, a just off Siri. Yeah, is a good example. Like the um, the AI woman in Halo kind of a thing. A little bit more off than that. Okay. More off, more yeah. creepy. Yeah, play sort of the more creepy aspects of like the the language, you know, simulation being off. Yeah, less her and more Hal. Okay. Uh, yeah, 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 kind of. Right. How <laughs> kind of has that like staccato? Yeah. There's actually a song bit in here that I think is almost a a pull from that. Where at the end, when they're they're fighting her, she sings a song she sang earlier on, and I was like, ah, they know what they're doing. Then yeah. yeah, they know what they're doing. <laughs> and yeah, kind of like the movie never goes anywhere like truly unexpected or anything. You honestly know where it's going, but this is a little bit more like buckle up and kind of like like an action movie where you're kind of like, I know what's gonna happen. Like Batman's no. going to beat the Joker, right? Come on. Like, what are we here for? <laughs> you you honestly kind of know where the movie is going, but you're fine with it is what I felt like. like so this is not like an, it's not an A movie. It's not doll. a B movie, like yeah. B plus movie. Yeah. This is like a solid middle of the road movie, which surprises me because I'm like, I fucking hate like Annabelle and The Conjuring. Oh, yeah. And, those are fucking like, terrible. And, and they've made 30 of those movies. I hated Malignant, which I thought feel like is was gonna get a sequel like i already predicted my sequel plot for malignant but the fact that they've accelerated megan to a megan 2.0 already i was like i think they found a new like i think they'll forget about malignant and they're gonna try to go down this angle it really was and and the only thing that it's like off is i felt the directing was just like fine yeah (laughs) and i and i think for a horror movie to be a good like emblematic horror movie, there have to be some interesting things from a director standpoint. Yeah, like it's hard to make about, a good horror movie. Like you got to have some chops as a director to, yeah. to make a good horror movie. And yeah. I feel like that was the piece that was missing because in my mind I was like thinking of like Halloween or even like the original Friday the Thirteenth. It's bad. Yeah, but the like effects work, the gore work, the like uh, Kevin Bacon f- dying gruesomely. It's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the like in camera, like we're following the killer's viewpoint uh, kind of thing. That stuff all was sort of interesting to cinema at the time. Um, it's bad. It's schlocky, but it was mm-hmm. something right. And it stuck with people with with Megan. I'm like, the only thing that really sticks with them is the like design of Megan. And that's good in the way that like Chucky's design is good. But there are things about the Chucky movie that are to kind of elevate it like up one yeah. level. I say Chucky, but I mean Child's Play later yeah, they were yeah. called Chucky. And this plays in that same space where it knows it's funny and it's really mainly trying to like be funny and kind of laugh and have fun. It's not really ever trying to be scary, which I think I appreciated. Like that's kind of what I wanted out of it. This movie has a 6.4 on IMDb and a 72 Metascore, which is very rare for a schlocky horror movie like this. And I remember when yeah. it came out, at the start of the year, it came out January 6th, which like is <laughs> a disaster. Well, right. It's a sign. I was not thinking about that, but, but stuff that is, is released <laughs> at the beginning of the year is stuff that the studio is just offloading. They're like, we don't have any confidence yeah, in this. It. Yep. This is not going to be good. We're just going to drop it right at the beginning of the year. Everybody's still trying to catch up on the Oscar movies and yep. like we're just, you know, and the, the big studio films that were released on Christmas Day and we're just going to drop our awful shit here and hope no one notices. Um, yep. And critics really liked it. And I was like, I saw the trailers and I was like, no, yep. I don't believe you. Same. I'm not seeing this. That looks stupid. Um, it, but it appears that, that critics, according to the IMDb and the Metascore metrics, liked it better than general audiences. What do you think is driving that? I, you know what? And I went back and I looked at reviews because I was trying to figure it out. Yeah, almost uh-huh. all the audience reviews are like, I wish this was like The Conjuring. I wish this was like Annabelle. And if you go <laughs> read those, the critics are like, these are fucking shit. Right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they just like The Conjuring and Annabelle. And honestly, I'm like, well, paranormal activities, in my mind, another example. They just try to fucking jump scare you like nothing's going on. Yeah. Like, it, and it's mainly just like, oh, ah, oh, oh, God, you know, oh, a cat, you know, whatever is kind of all it has. And it has these like weird premises, but it never really does anything with it. The characters never really fucking go anywhere or are anything, which is what Malignant was like a perfect example of all of that. And I almost like mm-hmm. maybe on purpose where it's yeah. like it has a background that it tells you, but none of it fucking matters. And the characters are all stale as shit through the whole thing like to, to a point that it became bad but here i'm like right. actually oddly they give you enough at the beginning of enough to care about the characters 
to kind of understand their motivations. They give you an interesting villain that you're following that you know is going to become a villain, but you're sort of seeing it slowly unravel. Like, all, all that's there that should be in a movie that those other movies don't have. Mm -hmm. uh, but it never goes to the, like, bullshit, crazy deaths. There's never a killing in here that's, like, unjustified. Like, that's another thing that I feel like is an interesting take, where it's like, she never goes and, like, just straight up kills someone. There's always that, like, they kind of do something wrong. Friday the 13th is kind of that, like, oh, the kids were off having sex. Right. And there's sort of this like capital offense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thou shalt yeah, not fornicate outside <laughs> of the legal bonds of marriage. Thou shalt be ashamed of thine own natural anatomy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's sort of like, don't, don't, you know, you don't kill the virgin. They don't have yeah. it right kind of archetype uh, or whatever. That yep. this movie then kind of sticks with that. Like, there are chances where it's like you would think normally the robot would just go on a rampage. Like, the programming's off, kill everything. Right. And the end Westworld, of this movie would yeah. just be this, yeah, nonsense bloodbath. But it honestly isn't. Like, it kind of like, goes at the pace it should go at and so i'm like it's actually functionally fine like it kind of cross the board and i think that's where it's like audiences kind of just have a different expectation about horror now yeah. and the fact that this one's also like i yeah. would say more towards like dark comedy than it is right out horror and i think it kind of was yeah. presented as like in the and especially as i'm like the people that worked on malignant and conjuring and annabelle and are yep. all and the nun or whatever, because the writers going on to do that are all part of this movie. And it's not like those movies. And I think that's where audiences probably just like kind of didn't get exactly what they wanted. But on the other yeah. hand, I'm like there are plenty of people that I looked through. They're like, this is fucking hilarious and fucking different and whatever. I enjoyed it, uh, which is mainly what the critics said. There are just definitely some audience members that were like, they want the stupid shit that they liked. <laughs> I want to be <laughs> jump scared. More of it. Yeah. I, I don't want existential dread or comedy <laughs> that's dark. I just want to have a spooky sting and go, Wah! <laughs> that's yeah. like fucking it. I assumed that critics liked it because it came out the first week of January and they were just shocked that it wasn't terrible. It, and I, I, awful. I assumed that there was like too much praise from critics because they were like, holy shit, usually all the stuff we have to watch this week is absolute garbage. And this wasn't. And so we're going to like heap too much praise onto it to... Uh, because we're just so surprised that this is actually not a train wreck. I got yeah. it. We all just watched The Astrologer, and this is not that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, to, like, to me, in the, in the horror vein, the, the American version of The Ring kind of fits this similar beats to this, mm. where it kind of vaguely has something to talk about, but it never really lands on a, on a point of it, right? It has an interesting kind of villain, just even from a visual aspect, and gives you like enough of a background to kind of understand it. I'll say in that one, Naomi Watts' performance like elevates that movie to a higher Love level. Love Naomi than Watts, movie. John. Yeah, you need to watch Mulholland Drive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that that like kind of puts that at a level above this. But honestly, mm. like that one's just sort of like it's relatively straightforward. You kind of get where it's going, even when it's like the oh, wait, she's is the villain. Like, it's not a fucking surprise. Um, it kind of just is there. It's good. And it, and that movie has stuck around its imagery and stuff. And I'm like, I think Megan, if 2.0 actually kind of tweaks the couple of things, it could I don't I don't think it will. You know, it's this is my out. cynicism. A hundred percent. They will well. learn all the wrong lessons and fuck it up gloriously. Well, like a Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you mentioned that the vi villain is interesting visually. There was a scene in the trailer where M. Thregan is dancing. <laughs> yep. And I saw that and I was like, that looks stupid as shit. I'm not going to see that movie. But there was this like groundswell of of people like watching that trailer that were like, oh, that looks awesome. I'm going to go see this movie because of that dance scene in the trailer. Uh, like, how does that scene play out in the movie? And and does like, I, I guess I saw that and was like, that looks stupid and unrealistic, but maybe that's just the cut of the trailer and I didn't see the whole movie. Like, but you, you, you thought that like, for the most part, she was well done in the way that they animated her and made her look on screen. Yeah, that's definitely in the once we're off the rails part of the movie. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that it's interesting how, how that, cause that's pretty much why this movie got any success at all. Because yes, being dumped on January, no one was going to go see it. It got some hype off of the trailer and then a bunch of people doing shit on TikTok. 
And then people went and saw it. And it's probably like one of the more successful January movies ever. Yeah. Um, which uh, isn't saying a lot, but it's saying something. Right. Um, yeah. It, the way that the character is designed, I think is really what kind of makes it stick. The dance is fucking weird. So it's just something that you can kind of copy on TikTok. But I honestly think like she has this like, and they purposely thought about all of this stuff in the design, but she has this like 1950s housewife kind of look. Mm. It's a little, a little bit of the like Barbie kind of throwback in what she's supposed to be. Like they obviously lampoon Furbies. Like that's their core toy to begin with. And this is kind of like a Barbie that's like taken to a, a an even further level. So it isn't like in child's play, like that doll looks like a, a doll you can kind of get this one. It's sort of a weird, like throwback of what the doll is compared to what like modern expectations would be of like if you got a new toy like Apple made a fucking living being that you child could have it would not look like a 50s yeah, it wouldn't Barbie. be like a it fucking look like some kind of weird some shit yes aesthetically clean white thing yeah. um it would be like Eve from Wally <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> basically is is she cg or is she a puppet or is she like a person in a suit or a combination yeah, all of, of the above they mix it they mix yeah. that all in which is where i think makes it work so by the time they get to the dance scene that's after like not only to you as an audience but everyone in the movie knows it's it's over the thing is now <laughs> figured out how to kill people and right it's programming um, it is now and gloating by dance, doing an end zone dance after <laughs> yes, killing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, it's the the like the Somebody CEO comes around the corner, like <laughs> you've got to find pretty, her. <laughs> yeah, the CEO comes around the corner and is like, "We have the presentation with everybody in one minute. Where's my fucking robot? You know, whatever kind of thing." And then she's on the other side, and he's like, "Oh, there you are." And then it does this fucking weird ass dance. That dance, yeah. In uh, the hallway, and that's the point where he's like. Oh sh! Oh shit! <laughs> Something <laughs> is way wrong. Um, this is and the really is like, it passes where the about robot comes in and murders all the board yeah, members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, similarly, like she does. Uh, th- there was one part that also was like kind of also just stupid. Like that was stupid. Where she ends up chasing a kid through the woods, and she does the thing where she like gets down on all fours. <laughs> yeah, I remember that from the trailer. Yeah, and yeah, that looked very it, unnatural. Yeah. It was unnatural and it was stupid, and it doesn't make sense why the robot would do that. But it's mm-hmm. kind of in the in the vein of the movie. You kind of have just given up so much anyway. Like it, it kind of just knows that it's dumb and sort of just plays around in that area to where it's like, yeah, whatever, kind of all the time. So yeah. I, I think that's where I'm like, I was fine with it because it's just like this fucking movie's stupid, but I'm enjoying <laughs> it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, final question. Um, I, I, I want to ask about the acting in the movie. So um, I tend to like Allison Williams. I think she actually seems to have some talent. She's very good in Get Out, um, despite yep. being the spawn of notorious bullshitter Brian Williams. Uh, <laughs> you know, she seems to actually have have, have some talent somehow. Um, uh, and she hasn't lied about, like, fighting in Iraq or whatever that Brian Williams is, is constantly bullshitting about. Uh also, Ronnie Chang uh, is a Daily Show correspondent, and uh-huh. I have seen some of his bits that I have really enjoyed. And he seems like a, um, you know, a, a fun comedian. I think he was in Crazy Rich Asians and was pretty good in that. Yep. Um, yeah. So, like, how how were they, and how was generally the the acting in the film? So, Ronnie Chang plays the like CEO or whatever. I don't even know what his title is, but essentially the CEO of, of the of robot this doll company. company or whatever. Yeah, and it is that like turned up to eleven comedy. Like it's uh-huh. unrealistic how he is. He's the guy that's like, you know, fucking throwing an iPad across the room, like, give me my kombucha, fucking you know, <laughs> yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing. <laughs> right. And again, I'm like, you that's the way you play it when you know like we know this is campy, right? You're like, we turn up all our characters, we turn up all our villains to the point that they kind of get to be that level of bullshit. Um, and so, yeah, I think he was he was fine. He was funny. That's exactly what he was supposed to be. The the quote sympathetic ish characters. Um, Violet McGraw plays uh, the young girl who her parents die at the beginning of the movie. And so she's having to stay with her aunt, who's played by Allison Williams. Mm-hmm. And Allison Williams is a sort of like detached programmer who has just thrown herself into her work. 
and kind of was like, uh, I guess I'm a mother now. Like, uh, I still have my job and kind of like it, it. And I will say she is a weaker ish link, I think, because it's that where they weren't really sure that, that she kind of just is the like normal ish final girl character in a movie that kind of is stupid all over every other place mm. <laughs> that that I wish that they had figured out exactly how to make that work. In my mind, it's kind of like the mom in Child's Play where you're like, tell me anything about the mom in Child's Play. Uh, Yeah, but you're like the kid and the puppet and right like that's all yep. like good and fun. Um, Yeah, and that's where I'm like, it doesn't quite that I wanted her to get to the level of the like. Either I really cared about her and like wanting to see her like succeed or whatever where it's like the little girl you do because you're like oh, her parents died and you get some tear joking you know free free moments from that um to where like again she's fine and i agree out and get out i love her she's fucking mm-hmm. awesome and get out she's like great. the right yeah, level yeah. of creepiness yeah. and then the fucking turn and yeah so yeah again i'm like i hope they tweak it a bit for the next one like if they can figure out how to like what to do next but you know it's not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no. Uh-uh. it's definitely going to be worse than the first one, right? Oh, like, yeah. there's no yeah. chance. I will also say at the end of it, right? They like rip the robot a half. It's not enough. They blash its head in, and supposedly that's enough. But it's already like connected to the internet or whatever. <laughs> no, that's kind of where they leave it comes Mission yeah, Impossible. Oh end. my god, <laughs> Dead Reckoning Part One is happening. Yeah. Again. Uh. They they also open up the possibility, which I think they're going to completely forget about. But in my mind, was the more interesting possibility that uh, one of the guys inside the company was stealing the toys and selling them to this other company that's making their knockoff Furbies Oh, is it a Chinese cheaper. company? <laughs> yeah, there's like a Chinese company that's making shittier shirt Furbies at half the price. Amazing. And nice. He's, he steals the stuff, so I'm like, so there's going to be like a half-price shittier Megan out there. More evil. Right? Yep. That Yeah, that, that goes off the rails faster, but there's more of them or something, right? That's our sort mm. of 2.0, but I don't think they're going down that angle. I think they're just going to... You know, whatever. And then, yeah, I'd be like, one of them, here's me trying to predict it. There's all these knockoff Megans. They also go off the rails, Uh, but one of them ends up actually becoming Megan. Like, she actually downloads herself into one of those versions. uh, Something, something. That's where I'm going to go with my sequel. Oh, yeah, that's probably where it's going to go. That's probably what it's going to do. When they make make that sequel, they need to make the Chinese knockoff Morgan with the four. They can do that easily. Skip over any of it. Yeah, Uh, there you go. I'm sure Ryan will tell us all about it in two years (laughs) when it comes out. I'm way more interested in the sequel where they realize that Allison Williams uh, created a robot that killed people and she needs to be held for the crimes. It's a courtroom drama. <laughs> yes. And the fact that she like let that thing around children and other people even Amazing. after she knew it probably was like, dangerous. Bailiff, please bring out exhibit A and they bring out like a cage with Megan inside. <laughs> Annabelle Lecter style. Yeah. <laughs> she like opens her mouth and this just like uncanny metal sound comes out. Uh, I she rest has my like case. a little tin cup that she's banging against the bars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh God. Yeah. Well, I, I, you're, you're tipping the scales for me, Ryan, because I had a number of friends who went and saw Mithrigan, and they said that uh, it was weird and it was kind of nice, and they liked it. Uh, and I was like, all right, I don't know what that means, but I'm not going to go see it because saw the same trailers that Dixon saw. It came out during what is uh, known or coined by uh, Red Letter Media as fuck you, it's January. Yeah. Uh, And uh, I was just like, yeah, I don't care. I'm not going to see this. I saw Malignant. I don't need to see this shit. If I couldn't go see the Philip Marlowe movie that came out in January, I'm not going to go see this. Like, There was a movie that came out. I think it was called Marlowe in January where Liam Neeson played Philip Marlowe. And I didn't go see that. Like, I'm not going to go see M3 again. For some reason, I thought you were going to say Kenneth Branagh. Uh, no, Marlowe, which would be a hard no. Definitely not see that. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Shakespeare's Marlowe. But I was like, Liam Neeson is Philip Marlowe. Okay, I might go see that. But it was January, and I had other things to do. Nice try, January. You're not fucking getting me that way. (laughs) Yeah. No, I like. I think this is to me a breath of fresh air in a kind of stupid ass genre that I tire of. I do like this is that and we you know we talked about it in some Octobers ago yeah. where I'm like I fucking love those sequel shitty 
like the further out Halloweens. Oh yes, we <laughs> remember when you went through every single, you know, double digit horror franchise for a month and told us about all of them. Yeah. Yes. And our episodes. If they nail the right level hours. of stupidity with Megan two I'm in for like nine more oh, shitty Megans God. in space and whatnot. I'm in for it. You would recommend Megan Mathrian? Yeah, I would. I would recommend it. So yeah, it sounds like we have a uh, a, a full set of recommends. Yeah, um, where, it does appear so. Yes, we're recommending. Dixon recommends uh, face slash. I want to take off. his face <laughs> off. <laughs> yes, um, especially especially the on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, John or really any way you can the, watch it. Just watch. Yeah, face any way off. you can watch it. Yeah. It's, it's Nicolas Cage at the peak of his Nicolas Caginess. You just you have to watch it. It's wonderful. Yeah. Did it ever come? It probably came out on VHS because it's in that window. Yes. Of oh VHS, yeah. DVD Definitely. both kind of yeah. For sure. You can watch it on so many formats. John is recommending Jurassic Park the 3D version. Yes, as well as I would say Jurassic if you Park can't get up. your hands on the 3D version, you can still watch the original Jurassic Park. It's still. I great, have the 4K version. And I haven't watched it yet. If you watch, uh, I'm kind of curious. Watch the 4K. Watch the 3D. I don't know. The 3D version has some really cool bits to it. But, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, and I recommended Mithrigan, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I yeah, it's Amazon. Prime has the theatrical and the unrated. I can't necessarily vouch for the unrated because I just watch the theatrical, but I don't Show your know. kids it's the a dumb whatever, version. so have watch fun. I'm surprised, Ryan, that given both options, you would choose the theatrical version. I want to see whatever the like the original version was, even if it isn't like the intended artist's vision per se. Yeah. <laughs> whatever whatever was like the first version i tend to want to watch you're telling first. me that if i got my hands on the television reels for the astrologer you'd never want to watch those ryan you'd only watch the theatrical well if they were actually filmed first maybe i would be interested we've got a, a pretty good uh you know variety of, of movies here this yeah. week we got like a traditional big studio blockbuster mm-hmm. uh you know horror movie and a uh you know batch of batch crazy nick cage <laughs> action film it's a good uh Hell good yeah. variety of options good spread yeah. of recommends for you well, that's uh, I guess gonna wrap us up. I have been your host Ryan King, and joining us this week we have John. Now in 3D, put on your glasses, kids. Oh, uh, God, <laughs> yeah, the schlock's coming right at you. <laughs> I was gonna say the schlock. I can see it. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and also Michael Dixon. Thanks for putting up with our bullshit. In 3D. <laughs> <laughs>